Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of Football Insiders podcast show, The Inside Track. I'm your host, Lewis Pears, and with me today, I'm joined by former England and Tottenham goalkeeper, Paul Robinson, and our transfers expert, the Scoop King, Pete O'Rourke. In today's show, we have exclusive news about Newcastle, given their difficult position regarding FFP. We'll be discussing all the potential outgoings, not only in this January window, but also in the summer, including Kieran Trippier, Joe Linton, Bruno Guimaraes, Alexander Izak, and Miguel Almiron. Additionally, the January transfer window is now heating up and the clock is ticking. Get the latest lowdown on the biggest potential deals ahead of deadline day. Can Newcastle swoop in? The Magpies are reportedly eyeing up Antonio Nusa, but can they still him away from Tottenham's grasp? West Ham's new man, who is Ibrahim Osman, and could he be the key to the Hammers' second half season surge? Spurs crunch time. Who will be Tottenham's potential final crucial signing before the window slams shut? And what's the latest on Conor Gallagher's future? Villa are looking to secure Middlesbrough's Morgan Rogers, and what does the future hold for Douglas Louise? Leeds transfer flurry, Ben Godfrey. Manuel Benson and Mateusz Musilowski have all been linked to the club. Are they heading to Ellen Road? And will Wilfred Nonto be making an exit? And finally, all the latest news on both Rangers and Celtic. Before we jump in, I'd really appreciate it if you hit that follow button on your preferred podcast platform. And if you like what you hear, make sure to give us a top review and rating. This helps us to produce the very best possible show. Let's get straight into the episode. All right, Pete, to start with, please, can you tell us about the latest Newcastle situation regarding some of their quick-fire quick sales, potentially, that may be happening this window? Yeah, it's all been going off at Newcastle in the last few days. Uh, obviously, just over a week left of the window and interest in their players. Uh, clubs are now looking at Newcastle, seeing that they could maybe prize away some of their players due to the uh, financial fair play regulations. Obviously, Darren Eels came out and publicly admitted that Newcastle might have to sell some players uh, to subsidise their own transfer plans in the future as well. So Bayern Munich, hoping to capitalise on that. Uh, they've made a couple of bids for Kieran Trippier. Um, both bids have been rejected so far, but I think still a lot to go in this one. I think Kieran Trippier would be very much interested in the move to Bayern Munich to link up with Harry Kane and Eric Dyer. So I don't think this one's uh, going to go away anytime soon. So this could drag right on till the close of the window next Thursday. Um, obviously, you know what Bayern Munich likes, such a big club. Uh, they don't come for a player unless they think they've got a real good chance of signing them. So they're going to still be uh, making bids. And I think if that bid gets close to £20 million, I think it's a deal that Newcastle would reluctantly have to accept for Kieran Trippier, who's, I think he turns 34 next September as well. So I think it would, although he's captain, club captain there and everything, and when he's playing when Jamal Lascelles isn't involved, I think it's a good deal for Newcastle if they are looking to uh, balance the books as well. While the one who looks most likely to leave is Miguel Almiron, who seems like he is very close to a move to the Saudi Pro League. Al-Shabaab are in talks now with Newcastle trying to thrash out a fee for the Paraguayan and uh, talks are now set to uh, continue between Al-Shabaab and Almiron to try and get that deal over the line. And again, I think obviously he's been a popular figure up on Tyneside Almiron, uh, I think amongst the fans and also he's done a good job under Eddie Howe, who I think Eddie Howe has improved him as a, a player as well. But I think if Newcastle can recoup £30 million or so for Almiron, it makes a financial sense to me that they can use that money to bring in a signer of their own, even this window, or if not, try and use it for uh, the summer transfer window when there might need to be a bit of a rebuild uh, of Eddie Howe's squad. Paul, of course, we spoke last week about Newcastle. We had that quick joke around Bruno Guimaraes going over to Paris to do a shopping trip. But all of a sudden in that week, we've gone from rumours that might be happening to looking like real potential deals. What are your thoughts on both of those deals and how much of a blow would losing both of them be? Well, it just shows. I mean, I think that's, when you look at Newcastle, I think that sums up the whole window. I mean, most clubs are looking to trim the squads because they're all so scared of this financial fair play now. Look at what's happened to Everton. Look at what's happened to Forrest. Everybody's really conscious of towing the line. And this whole window up to now has been about moving players on. And Almiron, Trippier, they've been a key part of what Newcastle have done and what they've done well. The Almiron one, I'm surprised at, to be honest. Um, I think he's he's at the heart of everything they do. He triggers the press. His attitude, his application in every game that he plays. He, he starts the press off when you watch Newcastle and, and what he gives that team. Um, everyone else seems to follow his lead. His, his energy during games, the, the ground that he covers. I'm surprised that they are actually willing to do deals, but it just shows where Newcastle are in the financial situation. Um, and, you know, you, you look at the likes of Man City, you look at the likes of Chelsea, you look at the money spent, and Newcastle are nowhere near that. 
And that's when you got to look at it and the club and the stature and the size of the club, the global appeal and the revenue that the club brings in. That's the difference where the clubs are at at the moment. I mean, Trippier, was he was the catalyst for everything under Eddie Howe. He was the first signing. He was the best signing. Made him captain. And I think everything, everyone, it didn't follow, but saw Kieran Trippier going to Newcastle and then jumped on the bandwagon and he was the leader kind of thing. So this is almost the start of, of the next level for Newcastle, if you like. It's rejuvenating the squad, but it's also rejuvenating the squad by being very, very careful with a financial fair play. Um, like I said, the Almiron one, I think he's he's improved so much since he's come over. Um, when he first came to Newcastle, he was a little bit like a wasp in a bottle, in all honesty. And he didn't really have a you know any structural position or anything. But now the way he plays, he can play on the left, play on the right. And I think Newcastle will miss him, I really do. Yeah, I mean, Pete, do you think fans should have the right to be concerned going forwards? Because actually, it seems to be now that quite a few giants across the, the, the world, I mean, you've spoken about Bayern Munich. I know we've obviously spoken about PSG, Bruno Gamarish potentially for the summer. Do Newcastle fans have the right to be concerned going into not only this window, but the following and, and, and more to come as well? Yeah, I think they've got every right to be concerned, obviously, when they had to take over from the Saudi PIF fund. They all thought that the Newcastle would be splashing the cash, signing the world's best players, but obviously due to FFP regulations, they've not been able to flex their muscles, uh, really, which they could do. Arguably, on paper, they are the richest club in the world, but they haven't been able to back that up in the transfer market because of these restraints that they're working under, which is going to be frustrating for supporters and also for Eddie Howe, who's now having to wheel and deal almost um, having to cash in on some of his uh, established players right now to raise funds to make signings of his own as well. So the last thing Eddie Howe wants to do is to break this team up. Uh, as Paul's mentioned, our Kieran Trippier is such a, a key player in that side uh, since his arrival from Atletico Madrid. You don't want to see players like that going out the door. It sort of sends out the wrong signal. Um, so I think for Eddie Howe, he will want backing in the transfer market, but I think he's well aware of what Newcastle are working under right now as well. And it's not just him. They've also got other things to consider going into this summer transfer window. The Bruno Gomeris one isn't going to go away. That's going to be a transfer saga, I think, for the summer. Um, speaking right here, I, I see him leaving. I think uh, Newcastle will cash in on that 100 million release clause. And you'll have clubs like Barcelona, Real Madrid, PSG, all ready to sign Bruno Gomeris as well. Now they've got the extra headache of uh, Joel Linton now. Um, so far, failing to agree a new contract, and his his contract's up in 2025. So, they're they're big players to replace, and uh, not easy to find those players. Um, as uh, Paul will well know, um, it's all firm well getting money in for these players, but then it's spending it wisely to try and uh, bring in replacements. I think this is the first test for Eddie Howe in his managerial career at this level. I mean, you look at what he's done previously in his managerial career. And he's, the credit that he's got in the bank, I think he's done a fantastic job personally at Newcastle. I think the pressure that he's been under has been unfair. There's reasons for that. And I think the Newcastle fans understand that. But now they've come to a really critical point, I think, under his tenureship. You look at where they are now. Yes, they've got to trade players, but he's got to rejuvenate a squad that's capable of competing for the top four in the Premier League. You know, this is a, a place in his managerial career that he's not been before. He's got all this wealth and all this finance to deal with, but he's also got to ship players out and remould the squad which isn't something that he's done before. He's gradually grown a squad, which he's done very, very impressively. Taking Newcastle from the bottom six, bottom eight of the Premier League, bought players to get them to the next level, bought players to get them to the next level. He's always built. He's never kind of had to rejuvenate a squad. And he's got to do that on a very tight budget with, you know, the, 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 knowing that the, the club's expectations uh, are going to be high because of what he achieved last year. And if I'm correct in saying, Pete, as well, he's only got eight days of the window left, doesn't he? So it's not only that. I mean, Paul, you're exactly right. But I think the difference with summer is you have that longer window to actually rejuvenate the squad. You know, you can prep more. There's there's more time into scouting, whereas now it looks like they could lose two key assets and they have effectively a week to go. I mean, it's it, it must be really difficult. Pete, are there any are there any talks of potential incomings or any plays that, that if there are, are there any positives that Newcastle fans could take on onto this? Uh, positives for Newcastle fans that they want this window to close and they hope that uh, Trippier stays and everything like that. But yeah, they're obviously looking. They've got a good recruitment team at uh, St James's Park. Um, one player that we reported on Football Insider was Antonio Nusa, uh, the club Bruges winger, who obviously Spurs are trying to sign this window. A very highly rated young player, Norwegian international. He's somebody that Newcastle are looking at potentially as a replacement for Miguel Almiron. Um, he fits the profile for the type of signing that Newcastle are looking to bring in right now. He's under the age of 24. He's got real room for growth and potential and potential resale value as well. So 
he's one that they are looking at. Tottenham still favourites for his signature right now as well. They've been in talks with Club Bruges over a deal as well. But if Newcastle do get some money in from the Amaron sale or even the Trippier sale as well, they could make a late push for him as well. Um, another name that's been mentioned is uh, Morgan Gibbs-White of Nottingham Forest, who uh, for me is one of the best young players in the Premier League on his day. Uh, very talented player, didn't really work out for him at Wolves, so he, he made the move to Nottingham Forest and he's really kicked on there and obviously he's a key man in that Forest side, so I don't imagine Forest will be too keen to cash in on him in January, uh, especially with their situation with a potential points deduction and, and a relegation dogfight as well, but and then we mentioned last week as well, they have sent scouts to look at the Atalanta midfielder, Edison. Again, he could be a player who could maybe replace Bruno Guimaraes if he does leave in the summer as well, and there's also reported interest in Amadou Onana from Everton, who's been linked with Arsenal in this transfer window as well. But I don't see any move for him uh, this transfer window, maybe in the summer, depending what's happening at Everton. But yeah, Newcastle, I don't know what Paul feels, but do you think it's almost a case of write this season off and reset for next season? Almost, yeah. They got right the first half of the season off. I think the thing going into the second half of the season with this window, myself and others before we knew about the FFP, <coughs> excuse me, you were looking at Newcastle and you're thinking injuries, suspensions, Tonali's ban, etc. players, he's desperately short of players. The, the thing that they've missed all season is squad depth. Go into January and bolster your squad, get some players and bring players in. Now we're learning that the FFP and the situation that they're in, they're talking about ripping the heart out of the team with Trippier, Almiron and others, and then having to restructure and bring others in. It's almost a case of if it's not broke, don't fix it. Look at what Trippier does every week. Look at what Almiron does every week. Why would you look to get rid of your two better players only because you, you can and you have to, if you like, because of the rules that have come in. But yeah, I mean, this this for this Newcastle fans, the second half of the season, it's it looks like it's going to be pretty much more of, of the same from the first half of the season, which as going into this, like I say, from a Newcastle fan's point of view, you'd want reinforcements, you'd want players coming in. You certainly wouldn't want talk of losing Bruno. You wouldn't want talk of losing Almiron or, or Kieran Trippier, which is a situation in, which is why, again, it's a big test for Eddie Howe as to who he brings in and how they kick on from this position. I think they're in a really, obviously, as we've all said, a really difficult position. If we talk about Antonio Nusa, Pete, what can fans expect to see from him? You've, you've said there that it sounds like Tottenham have been linked heavily with him too. Newcastle might hijack that deal. What sort of a player is he? Yeah, he's a skillful player, uh, young, energetic, uh, can play on both wings as well. As I said, 18, already playing for Norway and playing at a decent level for Club Bruges. He's, he's got an eye for goal can also uh, create goals as well. So he's an exciting player. I think he's got uh, real potential, I think, with his speed, uh, skill and power. I think he could be a real asset in the Premier League and playing with better players. I'm sure you'll see an improvement in Antonio Nusa as well, who's been linked with the likes of Chelsea, Fulham, Brentford in the past as well. But it does look like Tottenham are pushing to try and get this deal done. And now Newcastle are maybe planning a late move if they do have the money to do it, to try and bring him in. So yeah, he's a player with huge potential and I think he could be a real star for the future. We've seen how good this Norway team is at the minute with the likes of uh, Haaland and Odegaard as well. I think Noose is the next one from this Norwegian setup to, to really make a big splash. I mean, Paul, you kind of said in there, you know, we, we've discussed some potential exits. Should Newcastle really be looking at bringing in players who are already proven and established rather than bringing in players for the future? What are your thoughts? Well, there's a big word there, what Pete uses, potential. He's got fantastic potential at such a young age. We've always we've seen players come to the Premier League. I mean, some take to it like a duck to water and hit the ground running. Others, it takes a while to settle. And in Newcastle's situation where they are, it's not a case of wanting to, it's a case of having to, I think, you know, from what we're talking about, from what we're, what we're reading. It's a case of having to move players out and bring new players in. But it's, it's a risk. You bring a young player in. Yes, he's a fantastic young player with great attacking potential. You bring him into the Tottenham squad, that's what he goes into. He goes into the Tottenham squad. You bring him into Newcastle to replace Almiron, he's going to be playing 70% of the games between now and the end of the season until you get your injuries back, until you get your players back because of the amount of, of players that they have got missing and they're going to have to ship out. Of course, it's a risk. But if it's a risk that they feel they can take and put him straight into the squad and it works, you know, that's it's one that they may have to take. And Pete, given their financial woes at the moment, you know, Lewis Hall's on loan from Chelsea, buyout clause about £28 million. Given their financial worries, you know, could they be forced not into not signing him because they actually don't have the ability to going in the window because they have to be so careful and focused about who they are going to sign? Do you think this actually is going to really damage their transfer structure and plans going into future windows? It'll obviously make them uh, revisit their plans uh, going down the line, what they're going to do. Um, obviously, 
when everybody saw the Saudi takeover, they thought that's a endless amounts of money that Newcastle will be spending in transfer windows to try and sign the best players around. Um, regards Lewis Hall, I don't think Chelsea would have let him go to Newcastle if there wasn't a guaranteed obligation that that deal would become permanent. Um, so I think that one probably will become permanent, even though we've not seen much of Lewis Hall, but still a, a good young player. And I think he will get better working under Eddie Howe as well. So I expect that move to be made permanent. And again, that takes a chunk out of uh, Newcastle's transfer budget for next summer as well. So that's why I think they're going to have to be smart and wheel and deal. And unfortunately, they are going to have to cash in on some of their prize assets. Uh, obviously, Bruno Gomerich, I think, is the biggest uh, asset they've got at the club right now with that 100 million release clause. And I think the player himself, seeing what's happened at Newcastle this season, he probably wants to be playing Champions League on a regular basis. He had that taste this season as well. So when the big boys like PSG, Barcelona, Real Madrid come calling, I'm sure it's probably a move that he will probably end up pushing for as well. But I think it's quite pointed what Eddie Howe said the other week uh, regarding transfers and everything else. He says no one wants to help Newcastle as well. And that's where the situation that Newcastle find themselves in there. Uh, no one's going to do them a favour because a lot of teams were a bit envious and uh, not too happy with the Saudi takeover initially. So teams in the Premier League aren't going to bend over backwards and help Newcastle uh, by offering loan players and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one for Newcastle to juggle all this right now. And uh, I think keeping Dan Ashworth is going to be pretty key as well because he's going to play a key role in uh, Newcastle's transfer business over the next couple of uh, windows uh, with Manchester United, obviously trying to prize him away from St. James's Park. So not a great time for Newcastle fans uh, when you look at it uh, overall. They're, they're expected to be up there challenging for the top four again uh, this season at least. The FA Cup's probably the only thing they've got left to play for this season as well. And the thought of losing top players like Bruno, even Alex Isak and Kieran Trippier would have been unheard of last season. But it's uh, the reality that Newcastle find themselves in right now. But they could maybe take some solace from what happened at Liverpool a couple of seasons ago when they had to sell Philip Coutinho to Barcelona for that huge fee. And then they used that to reinvest in signing the likes of Virgil van Dijk and Alisson and that they uh, Proved pretty good business by Jurgen Klopp's team at that point. That was what I was going to ask you. I mean, from from a complete neutral's point of view, where does this stop for Newcastle? Where is the timeline? Because if they want to take that next step and use the finances that they've unarguably got, they've got they're a hugely wealthy club, the richest club in the world. They should be going into transfer windows and going right. We want X, Y, Z, and all these players. They should be getting what Eddie Howe wants. We know that they can't. Where does this stop for Newcastle with that, like, I'm a Bruno, Almiron, Trippier, etc.? You don't want these players to go. You want them to be the basement to build on, as they have done in the past. How long is this? Is this is never going to stop for Newcastle? Or is there an end for Newcastle? I think uh, Newcastle are hoping there's an end, Paul, really. Um, I think FFP regulations need to be changed, as we spoke last week. When you've got that £105 million loss over a three-year cycle... Players are going for over £100 million these days, so it's not realistic anymore for that figure. I think that needs to increase, and obviously that might give Newcastle a bit more leeway to spend more money in the transfer window as well. I'm sure these regulations will change. I think there'll be a number of big clubs who'll be saying it's not viable and it doesn't work for them either. Um, you've even seen the likes of Real Madrid have had to balance their books as well, just to, and Barcelona, we know how much financial trouble they're in with the overspending that they've made over the last uh, few years as well. So I think something's going to have to change and Newcastle, for their sake, will be hoping that FFP regulations are lifted and they, it will then give them more uh, opportunity to spend the money, which they obviously got. If the owners have got the money, I don't see why they should be stopped paying for, uh, or spending yeah. it really. So for me, than, I think... Than, sorry, other than waiting for a rule change, there's, there's nothing else other than clever player trading to, to keep themselves within the laws. They're basically waiting for a rule change and have to rejuvenate the squad and, you know, you know get better players in for a lesser budget, if you like. Yeah, 100%. I think that's where they find themselves right now, Newcastle. They're going to have to be smart in that transfer window. And to be fair to them, they have been so far. Bruno Gomerich was a great signing from Leon. Um, obviously, he's uh, come on leaps and bounds during his time at Newcastle and they could sell him for 100 million pounds reluctantly they would obviously love to keep him and build around him but i think it would represent a big profit for newcastle as well and they are building a young team i think if they were to lose kieran trippier and um, they've got tino livermento who's in there as a ready-made replacement for me he's been very impressive for me uh, when he has played this season as well so for eddie howe they are planning for the future um but i think it's going to be a difficult few windows for newcastle coming up uh, especially now with 
probably no Champions League football to offer to new signings next uh, summer and uh, encouraging those big name players to come to Newcastle could be that little bit harder and obviously then if they're losing other players it sends out the wrong signal to potential transfer targets that maybe Newcastle isn't the place to be right now. And if we move from the northeast down to East London, Pete, sounds like although Calvin Phillips is very close to being done, we can skip over that from Manchester City on loan. Are there any deals being done, Pete, at West Ham? Yeah, they are working away, uh, trying to bolster that squad. Uh, the latest one is a player that a lot of people might not know a lot about uh, from FC Nordisland in Denmark is Ibrahim Osman uh, from Ghana descent. Uh, advanced talks between West Ham and Norseland now to get this deal done for around £15 million. Again, another young player, only 19, um, but again, very highly rated. There's been a number of Premier League clubs have looked at him. Brentford and Brighton have both uh, made overtures to try and sign him, but it's West Ham who have really stepped up their interest in him. And uh, my understanding is that this deal could get done by the end of the week. So um, West Ham are pretty confident that they've won the race for a signature uh, and they're hoping to get this deal over the line and he's a, a winger uh, left-sided or he can play on the right as well and can also play as a forward so a versatile attacker who will add options to David Moyes' side I'm not too sure he's ready for the Premier League just right now so he might take a bit of time to bed in and maybe he's uh, might have to go out and loan I think maybe if he's not going to get straight into that West Ham team as well but yeah a player with huge potential and uh, I think it's West Ham planning for the future by sort of bringing Osman in now and then hoping that he will come good probably in the near future. I mean, it sounds like a really exciting deal, but Paul, fans have been crying out all year for an out-and-out -out number nine. And I know, of course, Jared Bowen has, has really filled in there, but do you think someone like Osman, is that a good, of course, it's a good move for the future, but is it good because he's adaptable or should they be looking specifically at a striker? Well, they've got players that are adaptable, haven't they? I mean, you, you talk about adaptable players, you look at what Tottenham have had for years and years with Harry Kane at the risk of comparing Tottenham and West Ham. Harry Kane is a number nine. When Harry Kane didn't play, Tottenham always struggled. They didn't have a number nine to play in that position. West Ham have got those players. I mean, look at Jared Bowen this year. He can play as a number nine. He's only got two goals less than Haaland this year, so it proves that he can do the job. But he's not an out-and-out -out number nine, is he? He's a versatile attacking player, which is what Osman is as well. And it's it's another one. He's a fantastic talent and a young player to look for to the future. But if, if West Ham fans want an out-and-out -out number nine in the same mould as Antonio that scores you 20-25 a season, I know they were linked with Nketiah. We spoke on here about Nketiah before. It doesn't look like they able to get a deal done for him and whether that's the right move for him or not. But they are looking for four and nine. With with Osman, he's, he's, like I say, he's another forward-thinking attacking player that can play in any of the four attacking positions. He's not necessarily a number nine. And Paul, it sounds like Osman as well is from the Right to Dream Academy, which is the same academy that Mohamed Kudus has graduated from as well. Do you think that's exciting for the Hammers, hoping that they will have another player at a similar talent level to Kudus as well? Yeah, I mean, you look at the global network for all the clubs now, the scouting networks. I mean, we see players that come into the Premier League. And if you're completely honest, as, as a pundit, as an ex-player, uh, you know, we sit on here and you have to do your research. Even managers come into the Premier League now or into the, the English football leagues that you look at and you have to do your research on the background because you don't know about these players. It just gives you an insight into the work that goes on in the clubs behind the scenes. The scout networks, I mean, years ago, I mean, we're, we're going back 30 years, the clubs used to have a chief scout who'd go and watch a game and, and put his eyes on a player. Now they've got 20, 30 members of staff all over the world with different eyes on different players but everybody's doing the same thing. I mean, you look at Brighton's recruitment. Their recruitment is incredible. They seem to have the march on the South American market slightly ahead of others. Um, West Ham, you know, where they are now. Everybody's looking for that little bit of a nth degree, that little bit of an edge over somebody else. They're trying to fish in a pond where nobody else is fishing. And at the moment, the way the Premier League is and the way that all the big leagues around Europe are, you'll do very, very well for anybody to find a player that another club doesn't know about. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Pete, what sort of valuation is he going for? How much are we expecting the deal to be agreed at? Yeah, I think obviously Noiseland were hoping to get the best price possible for him between 18 to 20 million euros. West Ham have uh, tabled an offer of 15.4. So I think they're getting closer to meeting that valuation and I expect the deal to get done for around 16 million pounds as well. The player is obviously keen on a move to the Premier League, uh, obviously, as you said, come from the Right to Dream Academy. So if he's half as good as Kudos, I think uh, West Ham have got a right player on their hands as well. But I don't think there's expecting too much from him too soon. He's still only 19. He's never played in England before as well, but he has got huge potential. Um, Tim Stein, the West Ham's director of football, feels he's a player who can really come and make an impact 
in the Premier League as well. And if he does really kick on and uh, do well at West Ham, there'll be huge resale value in him as well, which is obviously what clubs like West Ham do try and do, uh, offer a platform for these players. And then maybe there'll be big uh, financial profits from those players if they do decide to sell them on in the future as well. So a couple of signings looking like they are imminent at West Ham with Calvin Phillips uh, coming in on loan from Manchester City, which is a good deal. That's a deal that David Moyes has really pushed for. And then obviously one for the future with this uh, move for Abraham Osman as well. So yeah, West Ham making a couple of smart moves, it looks like in the transfer window. And maybe that might mean a, a couple of players uh, aren't going as well uh, at the London Stadium before next week's deadline. I think who are expecting to, who are expecting to go? Oh, go on, boy. I think their recruitment's been excellent. I really do. I think they've, you know, they've got it around David Moyes. I think David Moyes has done an excellent job there. But the recruitment since selling Declan Rice with the players that have come in. And if he is to only get these two players over the line, if Calvin Phillips goes in there, I think that's a real coup for West Ham between now and the end of the season. I think they've recruited excellently well. Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what I was actually going to say. It's obviously really shrewd, really smart business from West Ham, for sure. And Pete, does that then mean that we're expecting no more deals? Because a bit like Paul mentioned, of course, a link to Enketia. They've been linked to Victor Boniface, Armando Brogia, Hugo Eketique from PSG. Are there any other likely deals expected to happen or are they probably going to be saved for the summer? Yeah, probably thinking they'll be saved for the summer. I think West Ham, obviously, if they're spending this money on Osman and obviously, although Calvin Phillips is a loan deal, it's not a cheap loan deal due to the loan fee that Man City are looking and also the wages that Calvin's on. So it might stretch West Ham's budget a bit too much. Obviously, West Ham fans have been crying out for this new striker for a while now, but I think obviously some of the targets they are after are just going to be too expensive for this January transfer window as well. If more players were to leave between now and the end of the window, maybe that will give David Moyes a bit of uh, manoeuvrability to bring in another signing, still maybe potentially looking at a centre-back as well if uh, Nayef Agard was to leave. So um, I think there'll still be some business at West Ham between now and the end of the window and uh, potential outside Ben Rama, I think, could possibly be on his way as well now, especially if they get Osman in. He's quite a similar player to Ben Rama who can uh, play out wide and in and out forward attacking position as well. So I think West Ham would be open to letting him move on before uh, the close of the window. And Pete, what about Danny Ings? Because he's, of course, been involved in the squad more recently. But if fans are still kind of umming and ahhing about him, are we expecting him to go? Is he likely to stay? What's his transfer status at West Ham for now? Yeah, obviously, Danny Ings that uh, hasn't shown his best probably at West Ham, I think it's fair to say. But I thought he had a good game on Sunday against Sheffield United. Was unlucky not to score in that game. He's, he's just desperate for a goal. You can see in the way he's playing, he's snatching at a few things as well. But this is his opportunity now to try and uh, stick uh, a claim for a regular run in David Moyes' side with uh, the injuries to Antonio and others. So I think for Danny Ings, I think he'll stay at West Ham. There will be interest in him, no doubt about that. Um, we've had Wolves who have looked at him as a potential loan signing as well, but West Ham don't really want to do that. They want to keep him, especially with the injuries to Antonio and Pakita and Kudos being away to the AFCON as well. So I think right now, I think Danny Ings will stay, but... Uh, Stranger things have happened. I'm sure there might be a few uh, sniffs around him before the close of the window with um, Wolves still in that market for a striker and even Crystal Palace showing a bit of interest in Danny Ings as well. And Paul, to wrap up, of course, Ghana were knocked out of AFCON. So Mohamed Kudus is returning to East London. He's going back to the London Stadium. Is he going to feel like a new signing? Because, of course, some fans were expecting Ghana to go really far in the tournament. He's now come back early. Do you think he's going to walk in the door and actually he will just lift the dressing room? He'll lift the dressing room by coming back, absolutely. But let's be honest, I mean, we're, we're coming towards the end of the worst winter break ever, aren't we? So he's not really missed that much football, has he? I think West Ham are the only team that have played more games than anybody else because of the, the replays and the way it's been structured. But the way that the, the winter breaks come in, I mean, we have two games on a Saturday, two on a Sunday. Like we said, I don't think we'll see it in this form again because it's just not worked. And with him coming home early as such, he's not missed that many games that he would have played in. Now he's missed the cup game, but he potentially wouldn't have played in that. Yeah, absolutely. We can move on from East London to North London, Pete. Of course, we're going to talk about the busiest club in the transfer window, Tottenham Hotspur. Are there any further signings Tottenham fans can expect to see for the end of the window? Well, yeah, obviously we've talked about him earlier in the show. Uh, Antonio Nusa is probably the one that they are really trying to get over the line. And now if Newcastle have uh, joined the race from, they'll be desperate to get uh, this deal done as soon as possible uh, from Club Bruges. Um, again, young player, Tottenham have a similar profile to what Newcastle do. They like to sign players under the age of 24 who they can uh, develop and improve as well. And 
I think it's a real exciting prospect now for any potential signing to be joining this Spurs team. The way they play under Ange Postecoglou, that's got to be a big plus factor for Tottenham now in the recruitment process that uh, they can look to uh, encourage them to move because of the attacking style of football that they play now under Postecoglou as well. In an ideal scenario, Spurs would like to bring in another midfielder, um, but I think the targets that they've probably got are probably out of reach for this transfer window. Connor Gallagher was the name that uh, Tottenham were looking at, but I don't see Chelsea selling him to Tottenham, especially at this juncture of the season. He's been a key player from Richie Pochettino, and as we mentioned last week, Tottenham and Chelsea don't do business uh, normally, so I don't think it will be any will from Chelsea to, to give one of their players to Tottenham in this window. Uh, they had a bit of an interest in Calvin Phillips as well, but obviously West Ham have won the race for his signature, so I think for Spurs right now, It'll be about getting those players back from the AFCON as well uh, as soon as possible to help that midfield. And James Madison will also be making a return from injury soon enough. So, yeah, all positive from Tottenham. They've been the ones that have really kept this transfer window alive with the, their dealing so far with Dragosun and Timo Werner, who are two good additions to the side. Uh, so between now and then, it's probably exits at Tottenham rather than uh, incomings, uh, apart from Noosa, if they can get that deal done. And Paul, I know we mentioned Kudu's coming back to West Ham and Finland, like a new signing. How much is James Madison going to impact the Spurs team going into the second half of the season? Because, I mean, Spurs fans are absolutely elated to see him really soon. Yeah, I mean, you look at what he did at the start of the season. Those, those 10 games at the start of the season, he was he was key to everything. He, he was pivotal. Um, he was excellent. <clears throat> the way that Spurs played, the way that he, he played in that number 10 role. Um, it's He was the signing of the summer, arguably. Him and Sabozlai, I think, were probably the, the signings of the summer. Um, but to have him missing for such a long time, it's given Ange an opportunity to look at playing without him, obviously, using other players in different positions. But to have him come back in, yeah, it, it will feel like a new signing for him because he, he's that good and he has that much of an impact. Pete, you mentioned there that Tottenham are looking at, at midfielders. Are there any names potentially on that list that, that we can talk about before the window shuts their eyeing up to sign? Yeah, obviously, Conor Gallagher was probably the, the number one on that list, but I don't see that deal happening. Um, Edison at Atalanta was another name that they've looked at as well, but again, probably too expensive for this January transfer window. Um, and Calvin Phillips was somebody who was mentioned as a potential, but uh, they've missed out on that deal as well. So I think Tottenham, I think they're going to have to be content with what they've done so far. And uh, if they can get Noosa in as well, I think that's a good January transfer window for them. If they can get three players in and maybe offload some players that uh, aren't in the plans of Hans Postacoglu, which they have offloaded a number of players uh, to save on the wage bill, the likes of Hugo Lloris and Eric Dyer and others have left. And that does balance the books a bit as well for Tottenham uh, to allow them to make uh, further signings as well. So, yeah, I think it's been a successful window so far for Tottenham. And I think, obviously, the latest rumour going around is that uh, they've rejected a bid for Emerson Royale from Al Nasser, which uh, was an interesting one. I think probably if you went back a year ago, I think Spurs would have bitten their hand off to sell Emerson Royale. But it seems like he has become a, a key man in the Postacoglu side. Uh, remember, he filled in at centre-back when they had all those injuries to... Romero and Vic, Mickey van de Ven as well. So I don't think Spurs would probably be willing to let Emerson Royale go at, at this stage of the season as well. But I think for Spurs, everything's looking rosy. Top four pushes on. So yeah, they've had a good transfer window and I think uh, all focus will now be on the games. And Pete, just to wrap up for Spurs fans that might be wondering, where are they at with FFP, considering how busy they've been? Are they close to the line? Of course, last week, if you have missed it, please go and listen back when the news broke, of course, that Nottingham Forest and Everton have broken some rules. Where does Spurs stand in on that front? Yeah, I'm sure, obviously, they're probably on the fringes. Uh, I heard somebody told me last week that between eight and ten teams are right on the fringes of FFP in the Premier League. So that's almost half the league. That tells its own story. I think a lot of clubs are overspending from what they they earn right now as well. So there could be more than just Everton and Forest that find themselves in uh, trouble with uh, these regulations as well. But Spurs obviously got to remember got a lot of money from Harry Kane's sale uh, last summer to Bayern Munich. So that obviously went a long way to the signings that Spurs have made. And they've got a, a shrewd uh, businessman and Daniel Levy. I think that uh, I don't think they'll find themselves running into too much trouble as well. They won't spend. Uh, more than what they earn as well. So I think Spurs are in a good place. Um, all things are positive there right now. And they've really uh, stepped up this season when a lot of people expected them to struggle under a new manager and without Harry Kane. But they've probably surpa uh, surpassed expectations, I think. And I think getting in the top four and a potential trophy of the FA Cup would be a, a massive success for Tottenham this season.
It's a big call. Paul, can you see it happening potentially? What? The FA Cup? Yeah, the, or, yeah. the FA I mean, Cup. You can you can dream for from a Spurs point of view. I mean, they, they went through against Burnley in the last round. Um, it's, like I say, it's been a long time. You don't want to tempt fate. I mean, a dinosaur like me was one of the, the last ones to get his hands on a trophy for Tottenham. And it'd just be nice to, to end the ongoing jokes. I mean, nobody deserves a trophy. But after, you know, the time in recent history, you look at what Daniel's done at the club, Daniel Levy's done. You know, the, the big cry was, we need a trophy, we want a trophy. He went, you got to give him credit, he went and got two win-now managers. He went and got Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte, two proven winners who couldn't get that team over the line. And then he's listened to the fans again and gone, look, we don't, we're fed up watching this football. We don't want to watch this football. We want trophies, but we want to, we want to enjoy watching football again. They've now got the potential of both because the football is a great watch. And Andrews, he was quite clever with what he spoke about at the beginning of the season. He said, I don't want to come here. I'm not a quick fix. I'm not looking to win a trophy and that's it, job done. He wants to build a team that's capable of competing for trophies regularly, which, I mean, the, the early signs are, are very good for that. Would I take an FA Cup trophy this year? Absolutely, I would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, only time will tell, so we'll have to wait and see. If we move from North London up to the West Midlands, Pete, and talk about Aston Villa. Sounds like they might be making some late moves potentially in this window. Yeah, obviously they've uh, got a deal done for the young Serbian right back, Kosta Nedlakovic, who obviously very highly rated young player at Red Star Belgrade, but he has been signed for a, a decent fee, but he will be loaned back to Red Star for the rest of the season and we'll probably see him in a Villa shirt come next season. But that was one position that Unai Emery wanted to fill and uh, he's got it for next season. It looks like Villa are going down the young route, also in for Morgan Rogers from Middlesbrough, who has had a very good season for Middlesbrough, scored. Uh, in that game against Chelsea last night with a decent finish in that one as well. But he's had a really good season for the Championship Club as well. A couple of bids have been rejected, but I still think Aston Villa will come back with a third uh, bid for Rodgers before the close of the window. And the player himself is obviously interested in a move to Villa Park and to play in the Premier League as well. He's been a player who's been talked about for a long time when he came through at West Brom, Manchester City, managed to sign him uh, for a decent fee for when he was a young player as well. Didn't work out for him at Man City, but he's really found his feet at Middlesbrough and a player with huge potential as well. It's quite interesting um, how this move's come about because Unai Emery didn't really know much about him until he came up against him in that uh, recent FA Cup third round meeting. And it was immediately after that game that he told the recruitment team, go get me Morgan Rogers," And that's where it's all come from. Have you ever heard like transfers like that, Paul, happening? They don't happen very often. You play well against an opposition and he wants to go and sign you straight away. Not in this day and age, is there? I mean, there's, there's all the uh, due diligence and the background checks and you have to be on a list and you've gone through a certain amount of checks before you can uh, even be considered. But I mean, that's that's a manager trusting his eye, isn't it? And I think yeah. Unai Emery, I think like Ange Postacoglu, he's, he's earned the right to do that. You look at the structure that they've got at Villa, you look at the football director, you look at the scouting network, they're all Unai Emery and his team. That's one team that's united. That's not a, a sporting director or a director of football giving a manager players to deal with like we see so often. I mean, we, we saw it at Forest with Steve Cooper, all the players that came in that he didn't necessarily sign. But that team behind the scenes at Villa, they're very, very close and united with, with Unai Emery. Hence the reason that he's, he's allowed to do that. And as you say, refreshing to see a manager trusting his eye on a player. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But Paul, one question to ask you, of course, we've spoken previously about some links that Villa have had with strikers. And we've said that no one really will want to go and play second fiddle to Ollie Watkins. Would you expect him potentially then to play alongside him? Or would he, would he try and prove himself potentially to start over Ollie Watkins? What will his stance be going into that squad? Well, it gives the manager another option, doesn't he? He can play a different system. He can play out wide and play in behind him, or he can play them both together. Um, but, I mean, who better to have to, to learn from a mentor day in and day out? And, you know, they, they'll push each other on. And if he's playing one up top, it's it's not a bad thing to be sat on the bench behind Ollie Watkins. And you look at what Villa are doing, you look at where they're progressing, competing in Europe, competing for European places. The amount of football, we all talk about fixture pilots, the amount of fixtures, he's not going to not play. So it's it'll be a good move for him. And there's been lots of noise, Pete, heading into the well, heading into this window actually from in December about Douglas Louise's future. Seems like those stories have settled, potentially going into the summer. Is there any concrete news about clubs that might be interested in, in a potential price tag? Yeah, I'm sure there'll be interest uh, resurfacing in Douglas Louise come uh, the summer transfer window. No doubt about that. Arsenal are long-term admirers of him and tried to sign him a couple of windows ago, but they uh, had those bids rejected by Aston Villa. Um, He's been a revelation under Unai Emery. I think he's really improved as a player. He's, for me, one of the best central midfielders in the Premier League. And uh, there's no surprise that there will be interest in him. Uh, we did a story recently on Football Insider that Barcelona 
are now looking at Douglas Louise. They've been desperate to bring in a, a defensive midfielder and they see Douglas Louise as being the ideal fit for them. The problem for Barcelona is where do they get the money to try and sign him uh, with everything that's going on at Barcelona right now? Um, Villa won't want to sell him and definitely won't want to sell him on the cheap. So if you've had the likes of uh, Declan Rice and Moises Casado going for over £100 million as well, I think that's going to be the ballpark figure that Villa would be demanding if they were to let Douglas Louise go. But again, if Villa continue their improvement that they're doing right now under Unai Emery and playing Champions League football next season, it'll give them a real good chance, I think, of keeping Douglas Louise long term. I mean, a really difficult question, Paul. Where does he rank in terms of the best midfielders in the Premier League? Which bit the top three, top five? Where? What are your thoughts? That's a difficult question. I mean, you look at the quality that, that there is there. I mean, the, the number six, the defensive midfielder, like we just said then, over £100 million. Look at Declan Rice, you look at the two in the, in the Chelsea's midfield. I mean, they're, they're over £200 million. You look at the importance of the, the way that teams play, you look at the way that Tottenham play with a holding midfielder, the way Benson Court plays in there. The importance and the reliance of that has, has become um, a real integral part of the team. As to where Louis sits in it, I mean, yes, he's, he's come to that level now, but he hasn't always consistently played at that level. It's only in the last 12, 18 months that he's got himself to that level, doing it over a long period of time consistently and having an impact on a team. If he continues to do so, absolutely. Is it unfair to say that he's not competing with in the Champions League and you can't put him in that bracket yet because he hasn't with a, an English club, if you like? I think that's the next step and the next challenge and whether that's at Aston Villa or elsewhere. If it's at Aston Villa, I mean, Villa fans, it'd be, it'd be great for them. Champions League football, keeping the best players and building. But his next test is, is, is that next step up and doing it at that level. Yeah, absolutely. And Pete, we've spoken about potential signings. What about any exits? Are there any players that might be leaving the door at Villa Park this window? Yeah, I think there'll be a few players uh, heading out of Villa Park uh, before next week's deadline. Uh, Leander Dendonker seems imminent that he will be uh, leaving the club to join Napoli on loan. Obviously, it's not really worked out for him under Unai Emery. I don't think he's his fit of a player. He's not maybe quick on the turn, uh, getting the, the ball forward as well. He's obviously a good player. He did well for Wolves as well, but I think he doesn't fit the profile for what Unai Emery wants in his midfield right now as well. So it looks like he's going to get a, a loan move with an option uh, to go on a permanent to Napoli, which is a great move for him. And I think it's a good deal for Villa as well because he puts him in the shop window and uh, they'll be hoping maybe to recoup some money uh, from Dendonker in the summer, which they can use for their own transfer plans as well. And obviously Unai Emery has publicly admitted that uh, Bertrand Traore and Callum Chambers are both available uh, in this transfer window as well. And I'm sure there'll be a few clubs interested in both those players. Obviously, Traore's done quite well at the AFCON. He's got a couple of goals out there for Burkino Faso. So I'm sure clubs will have been taking note of uh, his performances at that tournament as well. While Callum Chambers, he's got a good CV, former Arsenal player, can play centre-back and right-back. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some clubs who would uh, be interested in taking him uh, potentially on loan before the close of the window next week as well. So, yeah, I think filling out, it's a matter of uh, balancing the books, probably with getting a few fringe players out the building and then that will uh, free up more space in the Unai Emery squad for potential further reinforcements in the summer as well. And if we move from Villa Park up to Ellen Road, Pete, sounds like there could be a potential loan-to-buy deal agree for a top target from Everton. Yeah, uh, my understanding is that Leeds are pushing to try and do a deal for Ben Godfrey, um, which would be a big signing, I think, uh, in the Championship. Obviously, Godfrey, not that long ago, he was in the England squad um, after having a real success at Everton as well. So, obviously, he's found it difficult uh, this season under Sean Dice. He's hardly really figured in that team. That's probably due to the form of Branthwaite and uh, James Tarkovsky at centre-back that we haven't seen a lot of Ben Godfrey, but he's a, he's a versatile player. He can play centre-back and can play either full-back positions, which he's done before, and he can also play midfield, which he used to do at Norwich. Um, uh, also, the other key factor in this one is that Daniel Farke at Leeds knows all about Godfrey from his time at Norwich as well. So there's a, a liking from Farke that uh, he knows he can get the best out of Ben Godfrey. And I think for Leeds, he could be a really astute signing uh, in this transfer window as he fills so many roles in, this, in the squad as well. And I think... Leeds really are looking to probably bolster in that defensive area in this window. So I think, obviously, again, he's a, he's a local boy as well. He, he came from York, so that might be another uh, factor in uh, Godfrey's thinking if he was to make that move to Leeds just down the road. And Paul, Leicester, Leicester, of course, drew 1-1 on Monday night with Ipswich at the King Power. It was an absolutely brilliant game. How closely will the competing clubs, Saints, Leeds, that we've spoken about, how closely would they have been following that game? And how much of a, how much of a boost would that draw have been to Daniel Farker's side? 
Yeah, of course it is. Um, you know, the, the, the gap that Ipswich had um, before Christmas closed up um, at an indifferent time, but the, the performance against Leicester, I thought, was one of resilience, one of a team that hadn't, you know, they, they weren't conscious of, of the points gap. And it's going to be a close race. For me, Leicester have got this, the strongest squad in the Championship and they've proved that, but Leeds are not far behind them. I always said from the start of the season, I expected Ipswich at some point to falter and then it's whether other teams can capitalise on that. Southampton have surprised me. I think they're playing a really good style of football. But I think the, the lead squad, what they've got, they are capable of going on a run. It's important that they keep hold of Somerville in this window. They're in talks with Nyonto about a new deal that we'll, we'll potentially hear, if not, he, whether he moves on, whether they're bringing in reinforcements. Um, bringing in players like Godfrey would be a, a fantastic signing because that's a player that improves your team. You know, you don't sign players for, for the sake of it. When, when you're at the top of the championship looking for promotion, he fits in anywhere, plays anywhere across the back four, which they've needed because Pascal Stroke's been injured this season. Liam Cooper's been injured. Archie Gray's been playing right back. He's been doing brilliantly well. Gives him the option to move him back into midfield. Left back, they've struggled this season. So that's another option for them. If they can bring in a player of that quality, it will bolster an already very, very strong squad. And West Ham, as as Paul mentioned there, of course, West Ham might be interested in, in signing Wilfred Nonso. Of course, contract extensions are talking. Paul, what's going on with that potentially? Are we expecting that to progress? Are we likely to see him stay at Ellen Road or could he be moving on? I think Leeds want to keep him, I, I, in all honesty. I mean, you, you look at what the, the, what the squad that the manager's got and I, I weigh it up against, in my personal opinion, what are you going to get for that player now and what value are you going to get with a strong squad that gets into the Premier League? The financial reward of getting into the Premier League of what you can get for an individual in January to weaken your squad is it's nowhere near. It's night and day. The reward to get to the Premier League is huge. So if you keep hold of that player and you don't get to the Premier League this year, you're still going to get the same fee in the summer if you're a championship team and he's a championship player. That player's a wanted commodity. I wouldn't see any gain whatsoever unless Leeds can replace with better than them letting any of their squad go that they've been utilising all season. No, and I think you're absolutely right. I think it's one of those things, isn't it, when you're pushing for promotion, actually, why would you get rid of your top your, your top players? Although I know he has sort of been on the fringes at times. Pete, if we talk about Burnley winger Manuel Benson, Liverpool youngster Mateusz Musialowski, they've, linked with, been, they've been linked with quite a few forwards. Are we likely to see any more additions through the door, potentially? Yeah, I'm sure Daniel Farke would love the opportunity to bring in uh, reinforcements uh, in this window uh, just to help Leeds get over that line in the promotion bit as well. Manuel Benson is a player who for some reason, hasn't really figured at Burnley this season. He was outstanding in the championship last year, was probably right up there amongst their best players as Burnley ran away with the championship as well. He just seemed to do that same thing. That old Aryan Robin move, cut inside on his left foot, <laughs> curled in top corner. He scored so many goals for Burnley last year. Defences just didn't know how to stop him, but he's not played this year, but obviously he's more than good enough for the championship as he's proved last year. So I think if Leeds were to get someone like him, he'd be a great signing. He adds goals and creativity to your team, but I think my understanding is that Southampton are probably further down the line than Leeds to try and get Manuel Benson. So they'll be hoping that they can get a deal over the line. I think it all comes down to maybe wage contribution because he's on decent money now that Burnley are in the Premier League as well. And also the young Polish boy from Liverpool, Liverpool uh, Leeds have been looking at him as well as a potential. Again, he's not been out and loan anywhere before. So there would be a bit of a gamble, I think, in this one if Leeds were to take him. But he's highly rated at Liverpool. He's, he's done well for they're under 21s this season. I think he's got six goals and six assists. Uh, so he's very highly rated. But obviously, I think going out in your first loan could be a, a difficult move for him as well. But Leeds will be looking to add to that squad to make sure that they are ready for that big push come the second half of the season, just in case there's any injuries to any of those attacking players that they've got right now. But to be fair to Leeds, they are pretty blessed the attacking front right now when you've got the likes of Bamford, Somerville, uh, Jorginho Ruter and also uh, Joel Pirro who came off the bench to score that winning goal last week. Yeah, that, and that was such a late goal as well. It was obviously really pivotal for it to continue that push for promotion. Paul, if you had to make an early call, who's going up then? Like I said, the start Leicester and Leeds. Leeds will do it. They're only five points behind Ipswich. Leicester will definitely go up. I think they've got the, 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 the strongest squad, the squad depth, the quality. Leeds went there to put in a great performance this season and they won at the King Power. And they were very, very impressive. And I still think that Leeds have got the squad depth. They've got the manager there. There's just a feeling around Ellen Road at the moment. Everything, it's it's quiet, which, which is worrying. Everything seems well, which is a little bit worrying as well. But for me, Le Leeds go up. I mean, they've got the experience in there. They've got players in that squad who have done it before. They've got the quality in there. And that squad could compete in the Premier League. I mean, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. We know about the championship season. Ipswich don't seem to be going away. They keep churning out the results. But that gap's now down to five. Southampton are the ones that I'd worry about challenging, but it, for me, it's Leicester and Leeds that go up. 
And to wrap up, Pete, we'll talk about Rangers moving up to Glasgow. Can we have the latest news, please, on Mo Diamande? Because it seems to be that that deal was really close to finishing. Yeah, it's inching ever close to this one. Uh, obviously, it's been held up because of the storms we've been having here in the UK um, that prevented the player himself making that trip over to Glasgow to do the medical and uh, sign the necessary paperwork. But yeah, Rangers have agreed a deal with FC Nordischland for Diamande around £4.5 million, which is a a decent transfer fee that Rangers are paying for the midfielder in this January transfer window. Um, obviously, he's a player that I don't think a lot of people know a lot about, but he's at a good age, only 22, but he's still got quite a lot of experience. He's played well over 100 games for Nordisland. He's been playing in the Europa Conference League as well, so he's been playing at a good level. Looks an all-action midfielder with uh, good legs, good energy, and someone who can get about uh, that midfield uh, engine room as well. So I'm sure Philippe Clement and... Uh, Niels Kopp and Rangers sporting director have been doing their research on him and it's a decent transfer fee that they're paying for him. So they'll be expecting big things of Diamande and he looks like a player who's got all the attributes to be a success in Scotland. So it's a big signing for Rangers uh, on top of the, the loan signing of Fabio Silva. So there'll be two new faces in the building for Rangers and uh, I'm sure Philip Clement in an ideal world would like to add a few more as well probably hoping to strengthen that title push. One other name to mention, of course, Pete, Sam Lammers. He got another assist on the weekend against PSV. He's continuing to flourish in Holland. Is there any chance he could return to Ibrox in the summer when his low move expires? Because quite a few fans have got excited that he's actually performing well at Utrecht, or is it likely that he is going to leave? Um, I think it's likely that he will leave, but if he continues to perform well for Utrecht and scores goals, um, it might make Rangers sit up and take notice and... Uh, maybe think, oh, maybe we should give him another go as well. But it all depends. We know players who have come to different countries that have struggled to settle and maybe not shown their best. Well, we've seen Lammers go back to Holland now and he's now finding his feet again and uh, finding his form. So a lot of it, as we all know, footballers, it's about confidence. Uh, his confidence maybe took a hit early on during his early days at Ibrox and he wasn't really able to uh, show his best form to the Rangers fans. And But he's gone to Holland and it's a chance for him now to get his career back on track. And um, obviously, if, if he does well for Utrecht, they'll be hoping to turn that loan move into a permanent deal. And again, I think it's a win-win for Rangers. If he does well, it puts himself in the shop window and they could maybe get more money for him. If not, uh, he continues to do well and Rangers want to bring him back. He's still their player, so he could maybe have a future at Rangers uh, if he does show that he, he could step up and do a job for Philippe Clement's side. Absolutely. Brian King reported a few weeks ago that Rangers had made an approach to sign FC Twente wingback Gilles Smal. Are there any updates on this deal potentially? Any further defenders like they're considering to join the club? Yeah, obviously they are looking to improve in the fullback areas, uh, left back especially. They've had uh, interest in from some clubs in Yilmaz um, who could potentially move on. Uh, Barisic as well as in the final six months of his contract, so he could leave Rangers on a free transfer and that would be a big blow for Rangers if they were to lose the Croatian for no money so he's been a, he's been a good servant to Rangers over the years but to lose him on a free would be a big blow to them as well and if they were to lose Yilmaz in this window they really would need to bring in a left back so that's why they're looking at the boy from 20 as well the latest name in the frame is uh, the Leicester left back Luke Thomas who has gone back to uh, the King Power Stadium uh, in this transfer window after spending the first six months of this season on loan at Sheffield United. Um, but Sheffield United were open to cancelling that loan because he wasn't really figuring under Chris Wilder. And uh, maybe I think his first team chances will be limited at Leicester as well. So a potential second loan for Thomas could be on the agenda. And I think he would be a great fit for Rangers. He's a, he's a top player. He's played Premier League. He's got real good experience. And I think uh, he would be uh, somebody who would definitely improve that Rangers uh, left back area if they did follow up their interest in him. And do you expect them to put in a clause in there that they might sign him over the over the summer potentially? Or will this literally just be a short-term deal if Luke Thomas does sign? Yeah, I think it'll just be a straight loan deal. I think, obviously, I think it could be quite expensive for Rangers to try and sign on a permanent basis. Um, obviously, Luke Thomas as well will have the F factor probably of Leicester being back in the Premier League next season if they do go on and win promotion from the Championship this season, which they look well-placed to do. Luke Thomas, I'm sure, would like to have another crack at the Premier League if he was given the opportunity and try and win his place back in uh, Enzo Moresca's plans at Leicester as well. So I think if Thomas does end up moving uh, in this window, I think it'll be another straight loan deal with uh, no option to buy. And if we move over to the other side of Glasgow, Pete, and talk about Celtic, are there any potential? is there any potential signings coming through the door at Celtic Park that you know of? 
obviously they are working away to see what they can do uh, in this window to see if they can improve the squad. They've obviously brought in Nicholas Kuhn from Rapid Vienna and he's been the biggest signing so far for Brendan Rodgers' side. So they'll be looking to see how he settles in and if he can make an immediate impact in that starting eleven. I think uh, Brendan Rodgers would ideally like to bring in another forward just to ease the burden on uh, Keogo um, and see if somebody else can come in and uh, share the goals around. But everybody's after strikers uh, in this January transfer window, so it's uh, not easy to find and land your top targets in that respect as well. Goalkeeper is an area of the team that we've talked about previously that they would like to strengthen in as well. Um, they had a bit of an interest, I think, in uh, the Elfsburg goalkeeper, uh, Vildemarsen, uh, but he looks like he's on his way to Brentford now, so uh, Celtic have missed out potentially on that deal. He's looking like he's heading to the Premier League, and that's a problem that the likes of Celtic and Rangers have got to contend with. If targets that they're after and Premier League clubs come in from, uh, it's more than inevitable that they will lose out to the Premier League clubs because of the riches on offer as well. So for Celtic right now, it's uh, looking around to see what they can do in this window as well. And the other news probably from Celtic right now is that they're uh, Rocco Vata uh, could end up signing a new contract at the club when it looked like he was on his way out after having talks with uh, several Italian clubs over a potential free transfer. But he scored at the weekend in that Scottish Cup win against Bucky Thistle and talks are ongoing now to see if they can keep the young Rapola Gabbana under 21 at Celtic Park as well. And probably one other possible departure from Celtic could be the goalkeeper Benjamin Seacrest who's not really had a, a look in under Brendan Rodgers. He's third choice goalie uh, at uh, Celtic Park now and uh, there was an offer from Sturm Graz earlier in the window but uh, that uh, got turned down and Sturm Graz moved elsewhere for a, a new goalkeeper but I, I believe there's been a couple of other offers uh, for Seacrest and I still expect him to move on before the close of the window. I mean, it sounds like Pete from previous weeks when we've spoken that they won't be selling Matt O'Reilly in this window. But they'll be demanding a fee of about 20, 25 million pounds going into the summer. Considering how good he's been this season and previously, do you think it'd be best if they try and push, you know, for, for a higher deal effectively? Do you think he's worth more than 20, 25 million pounds in this current market? Yeah, I think he's, uh, he's got real potential to grow even further as a player. Um, he's got Champions League uh, now on a CV as well, playing for Celtic. He's become a key man uh, under Brendan Rodgers and I think a goal-scoring midfielder of the ilk of Matt O'Reilly um, for any club that wants to sign him you are going to have to pay top dollar and Celtic have shown in the past that they will uh, sell their best players but they do try and get a good fee the likes of Kieran Tierney that they've sold in the past they got good money from Arsenal for him as well um, and that's what uh, Celtic will do they won't want to lose Matt O'Reilly no doubts about that they'll want to keep him but I think this summer uh, transfer window, they will be braced for offers for Matt O'Reilly if he continues his fine form. And as I said, goal scoring midfielders are like gold dust. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be interest from Premier League and uh, top European clubs in Matt O'Reilly come the summer. And there's been no further noise as it stands around Joe Hart's contract. Are you expecting a stent an extension or do you think he might be leaving? Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, he's done well for Celtic, Joe Hart, since his arrival. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think he's a popular figure in the dressing room as well, and he adds experience to that side as well. But I think Celtic, ideally, I think are looking at a long-term number one to come in in the summer. Uh, as I said, they were looking at that Valdemarsen from Elfsborg, who is now going to Brentford. Uh, they've also been linked with uh, Lunin from Real Madrid, who's uh, been sort of battling it out with Kepa for that number one shirt at Madrid uh, this season as well. So, again, he might be out of Celtic's uh, price range come the summer as well. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a top priority for uh, Brandon Rodgers and Celtic is to sort of sort that number one goalkeeping spot out next season. And uh, I think, obviously, Joe Hart, uh, coming to the end of his contract, uh, he might find first-team chances limited if Celtic do bring in a new goalkeeper. And which squad do you think is set up better going into the second half of the season? Difficult one. Obviously, Philip Clement's come in and done a good job. He's got a trophy already under his belt, uh, winning the League Cup as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Fabio Silva does uh, up front for them. He, If he hits the ground running, uh, it'll definitely improve that Rangers side as well. Celtic, I still think I've got the strongest squad on paper. They've been there and done it as well, um, I think. And uh, if they get these players coming back from AFCON, or not AFCON, sorry, from the Asian Cup sooner as well, that'll only uh, boost their squad as well when they get the likes of those uh, South Korean and Japanese players back. Uh, I think Brendan Rodgers, with the addition of Kuhn and potentially 
one or two more to come into the squad before the transfer window closes. I think Celtic still remain favourites and have the strongest squad to, to go on and win that Scottish uh, Premier League title this season. That was absolutely excellent. So much gossip and exclusive news across a range of subjects today. Thanks very much to both Paul Robinson and Peter Rourke for the expert analysis and detail on all the stories covering so many clubs during this January transfer window. If you have enjoyed this podcast episode, please give it a share on social media wherever you can. And any clips you see on YouTube, make sure to give us a like and a comment, as well as subscribing to the channel. I'm Lewis Pears, and we'll speak to you all on the next show here on the Inside Track.